Good morning. Sorry I was gone last week. Thank you for the nice messages that you sent me. Um, I texted Luke during the week, and I said, hey, I said, I got something, I got something going on. Like, I got a tooth. That, I don't know. Something's going on. Pain. It hurts. And it's like, you might want to start thinking about a sermon. He says, uh, oh, okay. Like a day later, I texted him back. Like, I'm like 75% good, fella. So, like, you can just don't even worry about it. I texted him back. Like, I'm 99% bad. Like, I can't, I'm not going to make it. Like, <laughs> you better pull something out. I don't know what you got. So, um, I was able to catch it online. He did a good job. And so, I appreciate that. It's nice being able to be in a church to where there's people who can, on the spur of a moment, I mean, and just show up with a sermon. And I know that we've got several guys like that. And uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. Let me pray and we'll jump into what we're going to talk about today. God, we love you, and we thank you very much for your word, and we thank you very much for uh, the work you're doing in uh, our community, in our church, in our hearts, um, in our nation. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we, trust that, uh, we trust that your timing is, is perfect, and that you're making moves that we can't see, and you're dealing with issues that we don't know about, um, but we are sure that you're a God who is just, you're a God who's compassionate. Lord, that you care for us. We ask that you will begin to step into our life, into our hearts, um, into our mind, into our actions, into our workplace. Uh, Lord, and begin to just take that low-grade anxiety that seems to just plague the world right now and just begin to just um, pull us up out of that so that we have a light that shines in the darkness. We love you. Thank you for everything you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to start a new series next week, and it's called Manifest. Um, the word manifest uh, has a couple of meanings, which makes it a perfect word for this series. Historically, when we've gone through the same material, we've referred to it as the Song of Solomon series. And so we talk about um, dating, and we talk about love, and we talk about marriage, and we talk about sex, and we talk about uh, how to fight well. But we're going to expand that a little bit and move it into uh, areas of parenting, move it into areas of friendship, move it into uh, areas of how we need to behave and act and live out in the world. And so we're going to talk about it being manifest. Now, the word manifest, there's two meanings. The first one is this, to disclose, to disclose, to make apparent, to shine light on. That way, it's manifest, like it is obvious, it is apparent, it is right in your face. That's what manifest means. The other term or the other definition for manifest is often used in shipyards, cargo vessels, a customs manifest or a cargo manifest and what it is it's a list of whatever is supposed to be on the train on the plane uh, in the box van it's a cargo manifest now here's what's beautiful about this we're going to dive into a really hot button topic some really exciting stuff when we talk about marriage we talk about love we talk about how to fight with your spouse which i'm telling you why like my wife knows how to fight really good really good she's a lot better at it than me 
And when you start talking about stuff like this, these are the things in the world that matter. We want to shine light on that. We want to make it manifest. But there's another element to manifest, and that is a cargo manifest. And so what I want to do is I want to jump from this idea of the word over to the other idea of the word, and that's this. Each one of us have a cargo manifest. There were a couple months in there, kind of back a while ago, where we just shut everything down. Churches were closed. None of you could come here. And there was two interesting responses. One of them was heartbreaking. One of them most people expected. The heartbreaking one came from people who would contact us and say, can I come to the church and sit in the back? I know you're closed, but can I come and just be there? I don't like missing. Can I come and sit there? Could I come to the parking lot? And would you guys come out and say hello? Wow. Listen, there's people in this church more committed to this church than people who lead this church. That was heartbreaking. And then it was so beautiful because when we opened the doors back up, they walked in, eyes flooded with tears, so happy to be back in the house of the Lord with God's people. But there was another response. Another response. The other response was this. Pajama church is nice. Pajama church is nice. Got on those fleece pants. Got that cup of coffee. You ain't even got to brush your teeth to go to church. You just got to put it on the smart TV. And we just park right here in front of it. Oh, we like pajama church. We like pajama church. I was a part of a Zoom call right at the beginning of all that, and it was a bunch of pastors, and they were all on there talking. Of course, I'm going to bat for you, okay? Like, I'm going to bat for you. And they're like, I can tell you what's going to happen in our church. Our people are going to get really used to watching church online. I was like, these guys do not have much hope in the people that go to their church. And I was like, are you serious? Like, naively, in my mind, I'm thinking, I mean, maybe you can do it, but I couldn't do it. Like, I sit and try to watch church. Like, it's the most weird thing in the world to me. It's just weird to me. If it's good for you, like, good for you. But I was like, this is weird. I'm sitting on this Zoom call, and these guys are like, I'm telling you right now, here's what's going to happen. We're going to shut down for two months, and people are going to stop coming to church. I, it, that lit my fuse. That little outline of my picture turned green because I got something to say. Uh, I think you guys are selling the people short. I think you're selling God's people short. I think they want to be in the house of the Lord with God's people. That's what I think. And they all looked at me like, oh, that's cute. Here's what we saw. We shut down for two months. And you know the phrase we hear over and over we bump into people who were consistently going to church and you know what their you know what their phrase is this has got nothing to do with what's going on in the world we're just lazy 
what? Like, we're just lazy. Like, we're out of the habit. And so we're having a hard time coming back. You have probably looked around and have thought to yourself, I haven't seen so-and-so in a long time. It's been a while since I've seen so-and-so. That is your manifest. I want you to, for just a moment, begin to walk through in your mind some people that you look forward to seeing when you come to church. I always appreciated seeing a guy. There was a guy who was always coming, and I know his name. I won't say his name. He would sit on this side, and there was no way in the world I thought he was ever going to make it. I didn't think he was going to make it. I didn't think he was going to stick with it. I just, there's no way in the world. I knew his history. In fact, I knew where I'd met him before. Where I'd spent time with him most was doing a Bible study in a correctional facility. Like, I know, I don't know that he's going to make it. Son of a gun. He just kept coming. But I haven't seen him in a while. He's on my manifest. I want you to think through this week. Who is on your manifest? Who is in your circle of influence? We all have a circle of influence. I don't care how old you are. I don't care where, you, where you're at, at, at what stage or season of your life. We all have a circle of influence. People who are around us, who we can reach into their life and we can say to them, hey, we're going to be talking about a thing at church that's coming up. And I think it'd be really good. I'm excited for it. I would love for you to come. And you can look them up on social media. You can find them on Snapchat. You can find them on Twitter. Um, if Twitter is still uh, up or social media is not working anymore, or we're going to close it down. If you have Parler, no chance. If you're whatever, I don't know. But you can find phone numbers. You can write a letter. You can send a carrier pigeon. You can do whatever you need to do to reach out to some people out into the world that you know that you haven't seen in a while and say, hey, uh, I miss seeing you there. Now, I'm not saying guilt them. Don't guilt them. Like, that's terrible. Like, don't do it. Don't shame them. I haven't seen you at church in a little while. Hell's going to be hot. <laughs> like, that's a little rough, you know? That's a little rough. But you could step into their life and say, man, I miss seeing you. I miss seeing you. We are all responsible for the people around us. The minute we take the option that we saw happen in the Garden of Eden, we are out of bounds. Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> God's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you are. Am I supposed to be watching everybody? Yes, you are. You're supposed to be watching you, and you're supposed to be watching everybody else. Like, that is your responsibility. So as you look out into the world, as you look into the church, as you look outside the church, as you interact with people on a daily basis, begin to think to yourself, who is missing? Who's missing? Who do I normally see, and they've been here, but they haven't been here in a while? That is your manifest. The reason I bring that up is because of this. I want us to spend a moment praying about opportunities that God will open up for us to be able to step into the lives of other people and say, hey, I just want you to know I miss seeing you at church. Like, I've just missed seeing you at church. It's just been, every time I see you, it's inspiring. I shared this with you a couple weeks ago, that sometimes for me coming to church and seeing you, and I think... I don't know why some of you still hold on. I've been in a place before to where I've gone into the pulpit thinking to myself, man, I sure hope they prove that what I'm saying is true. So I'm not sure if I do. 
That is a beautiful thing. And then think about other people who are outside of the church. They're dealing with the same exact issues you deal with. So think about your life for just a moment. What kind of problems have moved into your life? Maybe singleness is mashing the daylights out of you. And there's a part of you that is so lonely, it's almost about to morally compromise you. Because singleness is so incredibly hard. I promise you in the next few weeks, you're going to absolutely love what we talk about when it comes to singleness from the Song of Solomon. So think about your marriage. Boy, marriage can be tough. <laughs> marriage can. Marriage can be like it's a possibility. Marriage is tough. It's tough. And so then think about this. You have people who love you and who have answers for you and who you have answers for and who support you and then think about the people who are on the out that do not. And what they need to hear is, hey, we're talking about some stuff that's pretty important and I know this is going on in your life. Don't you think this would be helpful? We'd love to have you come back. I think it would be really good for you. And you can step in to their life. When we start talking about parenting, oh, good gracious, I got some, I got some stuff that I'm so excited to share. And I don't know how I'm going to share it, but so excited to share about what God has done. Check this out. In my life, not my kids, in my life, like I set out to look at my kids and say, you know what, they need to be better. And you know what happened? I am dangerously close to becoming a decent human being because of this. I guess I'm, 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 I'm dangerously close to it. Because I took a couple of steps towards, I think I need to better them. And what I realized is, like, I, God's changing me. Like, God's changing me. And these are going to be things that we're going to be talking about. And so if you look over and you have a friend or you have uh, a buddy or you have a relative and they're having trouble with their kid, don't you think it would be good at this point to check your manifest? You know what? They haven't been here and they're going through. This would be good. Here's the deal. Take a look at all the things that go wrong in the world the things that separate us from Christ, the things that bottom us out, typically they all begin on a personal level and inside of our homes. That's where they begin. There's something that's just in the middle and it's just grinding. It's this thorn that's in the bottom of your foot and you can't get it out and it just limps everything up. It slows down every single thing you try to accomplish. And what if, what if, what if we could have some conversations that would bring a little relief to some of the people's lives of the people that we love? And all we have to do is check our manifest and go, you know what, they're inside my circle and I've been lazy I've been lazy. I need to recommit. Now, here's what's funny. Right now, there are people online watching who I'm talking about, right? And so here's what's funny. They're like, oh, my phone better not ring. If they call me, like, this, call them, call them. Like, that's, that would be beautiful. They're like, oh, I'm going to be in church next week. I'm going I'm, I'm to be in church immediately. Good. Here's the deal. If we plan on making any changes... Look, you can, t you can t what, wherever, wherever politically you line up, it doesn't matter. You can still turn on the news, right, left, Republican, Democrat. You can still turn on the news and go, yeah, we're kind of just, we're kind of screwed in this deal, aren't we? Like, culture's broken. Like, you're, like, there's not like, yeah, but I mean, if we just did things this way, like, okay, bad plan. Or this way, okay, look, bad plan. 
If we intend to impact the world for Jesus Christ, then we have to be a light, which means we have to live differently than the people around us. And the only way that happens is if we have Jesus Christ manifest in our presence so that other people look and go, oh my goodness, that's different. Why is it different? We're going to take a moment, we're going to pray. So as you've been thinking about some of these people, as you have faces that pop up, I would just want you to pray about those people that God will open up an opportunity for you to have a conversation with them at some point during this week. We also want to pray, this is the second thing we want to pray for, the next eight weeks, that the people who come through here will be, it will be on purpose that they are here so that we can talk about the things we need to talk about. We can start pulling some of the band-aids off of old infected wounds and we can start getting into a place to where they will take those pains They'll hand them over to Jesus so that they can be healed and be renewed. And we're going to be praying for them personally and we'll be praying for the next eight weeks. We want to bathe this next series in prayer because what we want to do is we want to change culture. It has to be changed. It's bad. It's broke. It's really screwed up. Jesus is the answer to that. But that starts on a practical level with us. Like we have to be different. And one of the first places that happens is inside of our relationships. So let's pray. Then we'll jump into some, some more stuff, just a brief introduction. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you this morning, and we ask that um, there will be um, a flood of your spirit and uh, your kindness and your compassion, your, compa- your compassion that uh, you will move, start moving into the lives of some of these people that you're going you're gonna to set up these uh, these encounters with for us, Lord, and that you begin to soften their hearts, Lord, that you begin to bring some of these ideas to their mind as well, so that when we do have these interactions with them, Lord, they're ready to hear it. Lord, we want to pray for signs, because we know that there's people who are going to be in that place where God just give me a sign, and Lord, we ask that we can step into their life and we can offer them just the truth of who you are and what's going on, just our own personal encouragement. Lord, that your spirit will begin to work in their lives. We want to pray and lift up the people who have found themselves in a, in a, in a place of just, uh, just laziness or fear. Lord, that you'll begin to embolden them, to give them the motivation and the courage to step up, to look into the mirror of, of, uh, of, their, own, of their own weaknesses their own laziness, Lord, and that they will turn and they'll step up and they'll become the people that they need to become for you. Lord, we also want to pray for the next eight weeks that the things that we talk about and the things that we discuss will begin to push back the darkness personally within us, relationally within the people that we're connected to. Uh, from, an, from a church standpoint, Lord, that you begin to push the, push the darkness back from there. Lord, and even into our community, into the rest of the world. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Real quick, the history of the author of the Song of Solomon is a man named Solomon. He was the um, youngest son of King David. We spent weeks and weeks and weeks on King David. He was the youngest son of King David. Now, here's what's interesting. Most of the time... The firstborn becomes the king that will reign in his father's place. But that was not the case for David and Solomon. 
But David and Solomon were different. You see, the pendulum swings always. Politically, you see it. We get way over here, and then all of a sudden we're like, mm, that was a little too rigid. And then we go way over here, and we go, well, all, all the lines are gone now. So now where do we go? And we go way back over here, and we just swing from left to right. We do the same thing. Um, we, we do the same thing in, in, uh, in religion. You see these movements of just like, let's do this, and people are just, like churches get real for a minute, and they start working, and it's kind of like, eh, we need to back that up a little bit, and then we get very, very liberal and loose with our beliefs, and then we go back the other way. You see the same thing happen in about every facet of life, just this pendulum that swings back and forth. Personally, I bet you've seen it in yourself. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, oh my goodness, like I'm really doing good. I'm doing good. Me and Jesus are good. And then like, for whatever reason, something just happens. And the pendulum swings. And you go to the other side completely. And you get over there and it's just full of guilt and shame and pain. And What do you do? You swing back the other side. This is a normal thing. It's also normal inside of families. I will never spank my kids because my dad was abusive to me. I'm all the way over here, and I go all the way over here. I will always be my kid's friend because my mom and dad were never nice to me. We're going to go all the way over to the other side. We are these weird extremists that we just like, bump, 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 bump. This is how we navigate in the world, bouncing up against. It's like bowling with a five-year-old. That's what it's like. Ping, 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 45 minutes later. Ping, ping, ping all the way down. This is how we navigate the world. But what if there was something in between? On a family level, you can see it, and there's probably not a better picture of how that unfolds than it is with David and Solomon. Here's David. All Psalms heart is overflowing with praise to God. He wants to, he wants to lead people. He wants to be a shepherd for God's people. He wants to just care about stuff. Like he's just so full of love. In fact, the book of Psalms, mostly written by David, it doesn't matter, good days, bad days, David's writing songs talking to the Lord, and then every once in a while, David's humanity gets in the way. And he kind of has a little, like a little, little one-car accident in his own like, like what happened? Like I, everything was fine, I lost control, and his humanity gets in the way. And then we go over to the other side. And we have Solomon. Solomon was known to be the wisest man in the world. Here's what that means. If you're wise, it means... You can kind of see what's coming. You ever heard that phrase? Oh, he's just too smart for his own good. Like, I don't understand it really, because that's kind of like a weird thing to say. Like, that guy is too smart for his own good. It's like, is that really the problem? Like, that's really the problem? He's so smart, it's now a bad thing. I don't know how that happens. But Solomon's kind of that guy. When he becomes the king, he's young, and he has this moment to where he goes in and he begins to pray, God, I don't know that I'm fit for this. 
And God says, ask me for anything you could ever want. I will give it to you. Solomon. Which proves that there must have been a layer of wisdom already there. Solomon says, wisdom. I want wisdom. And so God granted him wisdom and a mind and a heart as vast as the sands on the seashore, Scripture says. The wisest man who had ever lived and who has ever lived. Wise. In fact, Scripture says that he had written 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. You're talking about a guy who had two like those, two, those great little two-line poems, these two-line little bits of advice, just tosses them out. And he's got thousands of them. When it comes to songs, listen, I'm a big U2 fan. I don't think they have a thousand and five songs, but they got a lot, but it's not a thousand and five. Solomon had a thousand and five songs. Here's the thing. Solomon also had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Which, uh, I mean, as a guy alone, like I think to myself, like that's a lot of people to keep happy. That's a lot of women to keep happy. You know? Like I'm kind of like 65, 70% getting the job done just for my own wife at home. Like keeping her in a, in a decent place. Like... 700, 300 concubines, like fella. And here's what scripture says. It says that he was eventually led astray by foreign women. Let me tell you how I think it unfolded. Solomon was all about diplomacy. It was the most peaceful time in Israel's history. In fact, the two tribes, or not the two tribes, but Israel and Judah were united under Solomon's reign. It was the wealthiest time of Israel's history. It was the most secure time of Israel's history. And the problem did not unfold from the outside. The problem unfolded from the inside. Here's the way I think it happened. Solomon built a temple to God. And it was beautiful. But then he continued to marry these women from other places. They were marriages by, like, gift, gifting and peace, and we could make deals, and you marry my wife, and we'll create an alliance, and, and this will work for us. And listen, Scripture was clear. You need one wife only. Solomon just kept collecting wives. And then eventually, here's what I think happened. I think somebody said, are you seriously going to church with her this week? One of his other wives. You going to church with her this week? You never go to church with me. Okay, well, okay, I'll leave her home. You can come to church with me. Well, I'm not going to that church. I got my own church. Where I come from, we have a different church. What kind of church do you have? Well, we have a different church. Our church is big. Like, we make, you know, different kinds of sacrifices at our church. We sing different songs. I don't want to go to that church. Okay, so what do you want me to do? I want you to build me my church. 700 times. Like, this is what I think started to unfold 
for Solomon is all these women had all these different ideas about where they came from and Solomon began to cater to them on a regular basis. And before too long, Solomon's heart was led astray. Listen, he was so incredibly smart. He just kind of covered his eyes to some of it. You see, here's what's interesting is the pendulum swung again because David said, you know what? God, you've put me on the throne. And y'all want to do something nice for you. I'm going to build you a temple, <laughs> which God thought was hilarious. God thought it was absolutely hilarious. He looked at David and he says, you're going to build me a house? He said, yeah, I'm going to build you a house. And God said, do I need one? He's like, well, I didn't thought that far. He said, well, like, I don't need a house. Like, you know, well, how are you going to keep me in a house? Are you going to build me a little house? And he says, look, I understand what you're trying to say. I understand what you want to do. But here's the deal. You have a lot of blood on your hands, buddy. You're not a temple builder. You know who builds temples? Guys who are pure hearts, pure hands. And he says to David, you know what? You can't do it, but I'm going to give you a son who's all about peace. He's not about bloodshed like you. I'll let him build the temple. David's heart is to want to build the temple. Solomon's heart is to want to build multiple temples to multiple gods. His name was Solomon. Hebrew is Shalomo. It means peace. He is the man of peace. The pendulum swung again. And then what we find is this. The heart of David is all over the scriptures. In fact, there is not a character who occupies more pages in the scriptures than David, except for Jesus. But then we have the wealthiest and the wisest man who ever lived. And here's what we have a collection of. Two books. Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. Ecclesiastes never mentions the name God. And we have the Song of Solomon. One song left of the 1,005. A man of 700 wives and 300 concubines, and we have one song left about one girl. It's as if God filtered through the very best of who Solomon was and said, here's what I can use. The rest of this has got to go. He was brilliant. But it's almost like he was so worldly smart. He was no heavenly good. Now, the same can be true on the other side. You can be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Have you ever bumped into somebody who was like really cranked up for Jesus? I mean like really cranked up and you're trying to follow with them and you're like, I am having a hard time staying on course with where you're at with this. Like you are super amped up and they're like, well, you can praise the Lord for that. Like I'm confused. I'm having a hard time praising the Lord because I'm so confused right now. But hey, Solomon, he is so earthly minded. He's no heavenly good. And so what we get is this one book, the Song of Solomon, and it just so happens, it's about one girl, and it's all about marriage, and it's almost the only thing we ever get out of the scripture, 
to show us exactly what godly marriage, dating, relationships, sex, love looks like. This is where it is. Solomon had all this wisdom, but he didn't use it the right way. There's this moment in the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Jesus is speaking. And he tells a parable. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 8. Start in verse 1. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. When a large crowd was gathering together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. Sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. Some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and soon it grew up, and it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Another seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears, let him hear. His disciples began to question him as to what the parable meant. He said, To you... It has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard when the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in temptation, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Verse 14. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And they go on their way, and they are choked with worry, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Verse 15. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Next parable, verse 16. Now, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it, o covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Verse 18. So take care how you listen. Sorry. So take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, 
shall be taken away from him. It starts to sound like riddles, doesn't it? We go from seeds and we get the seeds and, and seeds are thrown everywhere and so we understand that and there's some that are in good soil but here's what we grasp. Like this guy is just launching seed everywhere. That's really a bad farming move, I think. Like I think it's kind of a waste of seed as I understand it. But this guy is slinging seed everywhere. It's the word of God. It works and so he is throwing it everywhere. Then Jesus downshifts and he says, you know what, That's, that reminds me of something. You never take a nightlight and cover it up with a ball cap. You never do. I got the weirdest Christmas present this last year. My mom, she gave me a bunch of flashlights. <laughs> none of them have batteries. Like, none of them. Like, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I need what... Okay, so that's my responsibility. Here's what's bad. I put them in the same place I keep all the other flashlights. So I need a flashlight. I go in and I grab it. No, that's not. Nope, that's not. Oh, okay, here we go. It's a useless thing to take the light and put it underneath the bed or cover it with a bowl. It's useless. It's useless to have a flashlight hanging right there where you need flashlights, where you keep flashlights. I got no batteries in it. It's useless. It's useless for you to take what it is that you know and what God has done in your life that is supposed to radiate to the rest of the world and cover it up so no one sees it. Useless. It's useless. What's interesting is what Jesus says is this. It's important that the things that are hidden become, the word is, manifest. That they are obvious. The work that God has done in your life should be obvious to other people. It should be obvious. It should be apparent. God should be able to, others, others should be able to look and see your life and go, what changed? Something's different. That's what he's calling us to. And then Jesus does what Jesus always does. He gets real, real slippery, and he stops. And he says, you know all this stuff about seeing in the dark and night lights and lamps and lampstands? Yeah, we got it, Jesus. We're with you. And then he says, you got to be careful how you hear. What? what like, so what are we talking about now? Like we were talking about seeds, and now we're talking about lamps, and now we're talking about we have to be careful what we hear. Yeah, because you got to be careful what you hear because it, if you hear things that are wrong, it really affects how you see. <laughs> okay, is this a riddle? Look, what is the problem? What is going on here? Let me see if I can explain it to you. If you have a little bit, God will give you more. You with me? So if you have a little bit, he'll give you more. And if you take that and you will apply it to your life properly, you'll be able to see better. So if you go into your prayer closet and you begin to speak to the Lord, he begins to speak back to you and he begins to talk to you in the privacy of you and him and things begin to shift and change inside your life, that means you got a little. He's going to give you more. And if he gives you more, everything that you begin to hear all of a sudden turns into the way you see 
the world. Oh, I know, it sounds so incredibly complicated. Let me see if I can simplify it. It goes like this. Solomon knew everything there was to know. People came from miles around to listen to him lecture on bugs, okay? Horse husbandry. Okay? He knew everything. He knew everything about um, the, the, uh, the, the mating call, the mating call of the hoot owl, okay? Um, antelopes and their, their patterns on mountains, uh, mountain goats where they have their babies, like Solomon was an absolute genius about all of this. But sometimes you can sit and you can listen to the world for so long that what you begin to hear changes the light inside of you. True, isn't it? You can stay on social media if you want to and you can watch the news all you want. But I promise you this, you've had that disgusting feeling like you had just one too many pieces of pie. You know what I mean? Like you took in a little bit too much news. Like you read just a little too much stuff. And all of a sudden, as you walked away, you're like, I can't believe people actually. And you just start the narrative cranking in your head. Or you get a situation in your life or with your kids or with your husband. And it just grinds through your head. And what you hear begins to affect the light inside of you. And Jesus says, you have to be careful how you hear. Because it will change you. Take heed at what you hear. Look at this verse. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret will not be known and come to light. Verse 18, so take care how you listen. For whoever has to him will, shall be more, shall be more given, uh, shall be given. And whosoever does not have even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. What you have is directly from God. How has he blessed your life? This has everything to do with both manifests. Put a little light on the areas of your life that God has blessed you. You can be cocky if you want to. It's like, well, I did all this myself. Okay, okay, sounds good. Uh, holler at me in 10 years. Holler at me in 10 years. You can be really, really sure of yourself. And then like in 10 years span, you'd be like, um, God's in control. I obviously control nothing. Correct. Some of, you, some of you older folks are just like, that's so true. That's more true than I even thought it was true. It's true. Yeah, why is it true? It's because you are so ambitious when you're younger and you know so much. And then all of a sudden you get out there and you get smashed in the face with some truth. And it's like, my kids are terrible, aren't they? Yeah, they're terrible. I didn't do a good job with my spouse, did I? No, you didn't. How did I not see that? I know. How has God blessed your life? Get creative. Are you here? Well, yeah. How did you get here? Well, you're obviously able-bodied. That's a good place to start. You're able-bodied. Good for you. Some people aren't. Did you come in a car? Oh, aren't you fancy? You drove here? Oh, very good. You must have a little bit of little jingle in your pocket. You must. You got a little gas in your tank? Good for you. Well, I mean, I worked hard for it. Yeah, because you're able-bodied. You can thank Jesus for that too. But you know what? I didn't have to work today. I got today off. Good for you. I got people who love me. Good for you. 
Yeah, you should thank God for that. Because I promise you, the more of those things you begin to collect and you pack up and you go, I have some of these. Yep, I appreciate you noticing those. I'm going to give you more of those. Okay, good. That makes me feel better. That makes me feel better. Yeah, that makes me feel better. We're going to dive into the Song of Solomon. Let me share this with you. The remaining words of Solomon are the ones that we can be sure that God wants us to know and understand. It just so happens that what Solomon has left us is marriage. In order for us to please God, we must align our beliefs with God. I will warn you right now, as we begin to approach this topic, there will be things that you will not like. Here's my challenge to you. I'm not asking you to like him. What I'm asking you to do is align yourself with God and what he believes and then check your, comp- your, your convictions and, and, and check, your, uh, uh, check your causes and check your friends after that. You and God line up first and then you can step back and go, okay, I'm gonna line up with God first and then I'll deal with the other parts on the other side. It's not all gonna be just fun and, and, and games and happy. Some of it's going to be sad and it's going to be heartbreaking. But, but trust that lining yourself up with God in the first place is the good starting point. Solomon, um, uh, God grants Solomon all of this wisdom. And this is the part that we get. And it just so happens to be the one thing in all of our lives that has affected us. You are affected by divorce. You are affected by adultery. You're affected by betrayal either in your own life, you're either a perpetrator, you're either a victim, or you've been the son or the daughter of. It has touched all of our lives on some level. So we should spend some time working on that. So we're going to do that next week. So invite your people, get on the horn, start hitting them up, let them know, hey, we're going to talk about some stuff that's going to make everyone uncomfortable, so that's good. Then we're going to be in a better place with it. We're going to work hard on that. I'm not suggesting I have all the answers. I'm going to go through it just like you and let it punch me in the face so I can come and punch you in the face, okay? I appreciate you. I love you to pieces. Let me pray, and we will get out of here. Oh, you got something? Oh, Colton's coming up. You good? Good? Okay. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for everything you've done for us. We thank you for your word. We ask that you will move in our hearts and in our lives. Pray that you will be with us this week. Open up opportunities for us to speak into the lives of other people. Lord, we ask that you will also give us a humble spirit so that you can speak into ours as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon.